This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories from people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Hi, today I talk with Sean Madden. He's a musician and has a little bit of a different path he took to getting to how he plays today, but basically he plays live with audiences, makes up songs as he goes, and gets people really engaged in the whole process. I think you'll tell as you listen to him that he's kind of got a skill for that. So here we go. Here's Sean. Hi, Sean. Welcome to the show. Well, hello. (laughs) So good to be here. I'm so excited. I'm like so excited, so excited to have you here. And listeners, if you don't know Sean Madden, which you probably may or may not, I I shouldn't say probably don't, but um, we haven't crossed the same social circles very much yet, Um, but you are in for an entertaining ride. So just brace yourself. (laughs) So Sean, I don't even know where to begin. I thought it would be fun to, we usually I share where we met and we met, we barely met on the Oasis. Like I saw you and you were like, a ball of sunshine. I don't think we ever even talked there. And then when I was building this podcast idea, I went back and looked at the people that always caught my attention there and you were one of them. So that's sort of how we started, right? That sounds pretty good to me, Jane. <laughs> I, 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 all I know is that you came out of nowhere one day and just said, Hey, I'm doing this cool podcast thing. And I want to talk to interesting people. You're interesting. So let's do this. And I yeah. said, mm. well, that appeals to my ego. So sure, why not? <laughs> that That is my MO. That's how I work this thing. <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of ego, a lot of ego uh, building. And then I get people on the show. So whatever it takes, right? No, actually, right. Exactly. Um, but I, I meant every word, though. Like, really, you were, when I go back and read some of the things that you put out there, it was just like literally lit lit up and I like that so that's why I wanted you here I thought we're gonna try something we're gonna try something new today I was wondering if you could tell me one random fact about yourself like not the things we'd find on LinkedIn or uh, any other you know list of all of your accolades but like something that people might not know a random fact about myself Mm -hmm. I'll share one if that would help give you time. Yeah, go ahead. Prime the pump a little bit. All right. Um, I really like almost never, ever, ever wear socks. There you go. That's a random fact. (laughs) (laughs) That makes two of us, actually. I very rarely wear I very rarely wear shoes. The only time I wear anything on my feet is when I'm going out in public and you have to like, you know, no shoes, no shirt, no service, that kind of like arted mentality i have you know you got to put on at least something so i have some flip-flops at all times but even in the winter time you know what i've discovered is that i actually stay warmer when i walk around barefoot in the winter time outside and everything yeah something about your feet are kind of like they're kind of like your your the thermometers of your body so your feet tell you oh 
this is what temperature it is outside. Mm -hmm. So keep your body, you know, regulated at such and such temperature. But that's not the fact I wanted to share. Okay. The fact, <laughs> the fact I wanted to share was is when I was, uh, let's see, I guess, I guess I must have been 13. Yeah, okay. I think when I was when I was 13, I built a half pipe in my backyard. Uh, out of out of wood scraps and stuff that <laughs> was just like laying around. I, I went back there and like the weeds were the weeds in the backyard were seriously overhead. So first thing I had to do was chop all of these weeds down. And like I just went out there with this like machete and just like hacked <laughs> for hours and hours and hours till there was just this, you know, just nothing but weeds laying on the ground. And then proceeded to spend an entire summer building a half pipe for my skateboard by myself. That's impressive. Now tell me, please tell me you have a picture of that. Uh, I have a picture. Uh, I have a picture of me skating it actually. Okay. From, we need, uh, we're going to need that. We're going to need that for your show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was, I think I was 15 and yeah, I'm wearing about, I'm wearing my favorite Bauhaus shirt and you know, a skateboard that I bought with my own money. And you know, it's like, like one of those, one of those kinds of stories. Like, what an well, accomplishment though at, at that age. I mean, that's super cool. Like who does, was fun. who does that? I guess Sean I Madden does, but, <laughs> but there yeah. you go. Stroking my ego again. Yeah, Cut it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just so, kidding. all right. Uh, like, that's a great story though. That's uh, people just don't know that we don't put that kind of stuff on our bios, you know, but actually you kind of should. It's a, it's a pretty good story. So it's kind of, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I like, like I love, I love when I see kids trying to build things because it shows not only initiative, but just like it takes a lot of thought to build something from scratch. You know what I mean? It's one thing when you get a Lego kit and there's 400 pages of instructions, but an, yep. it's another thing where you get a pile of wood. Yeah. You know, it's a different story. So, yep. all right. Good random fact. Winner on starting out the random fact trend going forward. Oh, wait, I just did it again. Okay, sorry. Um, stroking your ego again. I'll try not to do that. Okay. <laughs> like I said, it's okay. I was just okay, okay. So, you can do all you want. So for the listeners as well, I should mention that Sean has full uh, reins to break into song at any point that he wishes to throughout this podcast. And so full, anyway. full free range. <laughs> I get to sing whenever I want because that's the one thing that I do. And if you're paying attention, you might catch a rhyme or two because something I've learned when living my life with music in it is that every hour our singing is worth beautiful minutes. Oh, that was, did you seriously just make that up? I seriously just made that up just now. You're lucky right I recorded that because I think you have a new song. Uh, what do you call it? Not a chorus. Maybe a chorus. That was great. Maybe. 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 The thing is, is that I make up, you know, I make up probably, you know, a dozen of those every day mm. uh, when I'm, when I'm actually performing that's kind of one of my it's kind of one of my trademarks is making up lyrics on the spot and especially when people can um when people can sing them along with me mm -hmm. that's when it gets really good is when you can like make up songs and then people can sing along and you can do call and response it's so fun because people <laughs> are like oh my goodness we're like making up music right now music is like this <laughs> mysterious thing that you know that only those people on the 
stage and on the screens can do, but we're doing it right now. How cool is that? <laughs> and the reverberation of that, you know, like back and forth when you're doing it live, that must be pretty exciting. Like the, I would love to, I would love to measure the energy bubble that happens when you do that. Ooh, cool. that would be fun. Wouldn't I it? know it would be. Team up with a need team up with a scientist who measures things. Yes, we need that. We need to do that. <laughs> Actually, that totally. That, okay, we'll just save that for later. There's something that'll that'll tie into. <laughs> okay, so how did you start singing? Like, where did this come from? Were you doing it since you were born? Um. Well, my my parents are singers. My my dad led the choir in church, and my mom was a opera singer, and uh, you know, so I was around music as a kid. And I think when it really started to really started to click with me was the summer. I think I was about eleven. I mean, I started playing guitar when I was nine, but then um, some one of those summers, I went to school or I went to work with my dad, and we had a we had a forty minute drive each way mm-hmm. from from my hometown to where he worked. And we would listen to, we would listen to all kinds of things. You know, I think you're the first person that I've met that said their mom is an opera singer. So that was pretty impressive too. (laughs) (laughs) Like, where did you grow up that you had these things going on? I grew up in a little town called Banning, California. It's uh, right between um, San Bernardino and Palm Springs. So you are a California native. I don't know why I didn't know that. For some reason, I thought you were came from somewhere somewhere else. But you are there all the time. Okay, that explains the bare feet. <laughs> we can't do that here in Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, the barefoot thing didn't happen until later. I mean, I I was, uh, uh, yeah, it happened later. It actually it actually started on a trip to Australia in 2010. 2010. I went to Australia for a couple months and I was hanging out with this group of folks who were barefoot everywhere and they don't have this, uh, no shoes, no shirt, no service thing. So, you know, grocery stores, no problem. Restaurants, no problem. All this kind of stuff. They got it. They've got it all figured out there. I'm telling you how to like, just yeah, live they got, on they got land. some things, I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it's Australia, it's, it's Western civilization. So they got, you know, they've got their, their own set of <laughs> stuff. Right. But, Tell me about how you, so you, you had a guitar, you listened to music in your dad's car. Like what made you turn this into how you live your life? Like part of your everyday life? Oh boy. Hmm. Um, it's kind of a long convoluted story. I mean, I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't, I don't have one of those, Oh, lightning bolt went off and I just, you know, I knew and you know, and I've never looked back since I don't have any of those kinds of moments. Um, you know, music was part of, it was just part of my life growing up. I played guitar through high school and whatever. Uh, and then it wasn't until, let's see. Yeah, I started going to junior college in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. I, I lived in San Francisco for a while. I, I joined a punk band for like one show when I was in <laughs> when I was in in San Francisco, and everybody kind of looked at me like, "Who is this little kid with the you know with the reggae hat on and a you know tie dye t shirt trying to sing punk music?" It was really kind of funny. <laughs> uh, um, and and then I. I moved down to Long Beach and I started going to college in Long Beach and I went to Long Beach City College and I started going to um, 
uh, I, I started doing radio and television broadcasting. I was in the radio because so I was really interested in radio ever since I, when I grew up, I got my first, um, my first clock radio and I would listen to Rick D's in the morning and I was so fascinated <laughs> by this guy, by his voice and his personality and the fact that he was, you know, a hundred miles away, which to my 10 year old mind was just like so, so far away. And yet here he is like talking right into my ear, making, making jokes and playing great music and all this kind of stuff. So I really wanted to, I really wanted to do radio. And so I, I was the, I was the music director for the radio station for about two years. That's a pretty good gig. How did you get that? Well, it was amazing. Well, it was a a tiny, it was KLBC 100. What was it? Uh, 1700 AM, oh. <laughs> 1700 AM, which is, which is 200 points above the top of most AM dials. Right. Right? I was going to so say, I don't remember 1700 AM, 500 milliwatts of sheer, you know, college radio goodness. <laughs> and, you know, I think we, I think we, I think we covered the entire campus. With our- <laughs> uh, and so I was the, I was the music director, which basically meant that I had my finger on the pulse of you know, what, everything that was going on in the music industry mm-hmm. at that time, which was 94, 95, um, you know, what I'd a, get, what a I'd fun get somewhere, job. people probably yeah, wanted to know you. I get somewhere between 15 and 60 CDs every single day from all of the major labels, all the indie labels, all the little bands from who knows where going, Hey, play my stuff, you know? Yeah. So oh, that was fun. that was fun, and after two two years of that, I realized, you know, there, I really want to just I want to play music. I want to I want to do this. I want to sing and play mm-hmm. instruments and be a part of the show. Well, I started taking music classes and found Berklee College of Music and said, you know what, I'm going there. So oh, I, fun! You had a pretty good, you had a pretty fun time there. I mean, that is that's probably there's probably uh, people who that's their dream. You know what I mean? You lived people's dreams to have that experience. Totally. Yeah. So, you know, it's um, 3,000 students, all of whom are there to play. They're mm-hmm. there to play. They're there to write. They're there to learn about music. And the, there's about 1,000 faculty and all of those folks. The majority of them have been, you know, they've been out there. They've been in the, in the industry. They've worked with whoever. And, um, you know, I took jingle writing classes from the guy who wrote, you deserve a break today at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> like and worked with uh you know took took songwriting songwriting classes from people who had hit songs and um uh, production classes from people who had produced records with you know earth wind and fire and you know whatever so is that intimidating at all oh are you kidding of course it was okay <laughs> <laughs> of course it was in fact the first semester i was there i, I went there as a hand percussion principal oh what, and, what? Uh, Hand percussion, so like congas and djembes and stuff, like drums oh. that you play with your hand. Okay, got it. And the first semester that I was there, I got placed into a reggae class, and I didn't have any congas, so I sat down at the drum set because <laughs> there wasn't a drummer. There are so many jokes on that. I'm sorry, go on. <laughs> what? I didn't have any congas. Like they're just. It sounds like there's about seven one-liners that I'm supposed to say after that. Okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> Behave yourself, James. Behave yourself. There's um. Yeah. So I sat down at the drum set and, and, you know, I was looking around at all these, like, just, you know, they started playing reggae and I'm supposed to keep up this reggae beat and I didn't really know how to play a reggae beat. 
it was definitely a challenge. And, you know, if you're, if you've spent any time with musicians at all, you know, that it's a, it's, there's a lot of pride that goes into being a good musician because it takes something. It's not an easy, it's not an easy, it's not an easy path to be in the culture of musicians in particular, because it's such a collaborative art form Mm -hmm. and collaborative uh, practice and a collaborative trade. It's almost like that's, that that makes the pressure even more because not only do you have to sort of compete with those who are in your you know who who play your instrument but you also have to stay sharp at the level to where you can hang with others who whose instruments uh what you call it complement yours mm-hmm. well so it's kind of like walking with the greats too in that particular situation being in school with people who have who have actually, you know, made it. And then also people who might be further ahead of you in school. It's like walking with the greats and trying to find your place there, you know? Totally. Totally. And, and, and learning like, and learning what your place is, you know? Mm -hmm. So during this time, did you like, did you hone in on what your musical like genre was more so? I mean, I know you had to take classes in a variety of things, but did you find yourself kind of honing in on something that really felt mostly like you? Yeah. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with genre, actually. Okay. Had to do, it had to do with why I play music, why I sing and why I I play music. I took a class of the, I was there for four years, took a lot of, you know, a lot of classes. I probably played in two dozen different styles, everything from bluegrass to samba to African to South American to whatever. Mm -hmm. I played in so many different ensembles. And took, I uh, had three or four different voice teachers and all this. But the best class that I took was with a Livingston Taylor, who's James Taylor's younger brother. Okay. Most people don't even know who he is, but he is a very successful singer-songwriter in his own right. And he teaches a class at Berkeley called Stage Performance Techniques. Hmm. And, and the class is it's about stage performance it's about what goes into being a performer but it's it there's a context around it right and the context the context is he sets it in the very first days like how many of you guys want to be a professional musician of course everybody in the Uh class all 200 kids are like yeah that's me and he's like well what does that mean and you know People say, well, you get paid to play, you make a living, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. Who pays you? The club owner, the manager, the, the agent. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Who pays you is your audience. Ah. Your, your audience pays your rent. Your audience pays your grocery bill. Your audience is the one who, like, if you're building a career as a musician, as an artist, your job. Your primary job is to learn and practice your craft and create great work. Mm -hmm. Your secondary job is to find, care for, and feed your audience. That's it. That's basically the whole deal. Mm -hmm. And, and when I, when I got that, it was like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. So, and it took about, I don't know, probably, probably a good three years for me to really integrate this concept and understand what that meant for me because I've never been interested in Grammys. I've never been interested in, um, the trappings of like big fame. fame. Yeah. Being famous and, you know, playing on, on the big stages Mm -hmm. at the Super Bowl 
or, you know, any of that stuff. It's never, that's never been interesting to me. What's always been interesting to me is what happens, what happens in that conversation that happens between quote, quote, performer and quote audience. Mm -hmm. What is that alchemy? What is that magic? What is that? Uh, what is that process that gets, that gets kicked off and that, that happens when music is made in real time and real space, you know, like recordings is a whole different conversation. Making great recordings is, is a, is an art form in itself, but I'm talking about live in the moment music, that, that conversation that happens. And what I realized is that, that for me, what, what is important about that is that it, it, something happens in that exchange that, that transforms us, you know, that transforms whoever's playing, that transforms the people who, who come there. Right. And it became really important to me to create situations where the music and the environment and the moment and the people who are there, that something happens that would not have happened otherwise with any, with anybody else, you know, like, if, if I'm there at the microphone, I have a particular intention and that is that, that, it, and, and it's kind of pre-verbal. I can't really describe it, but it, it shows up in these kinds of results. Um, so-and-so and so-and-so have been enemies for, you know, three years cause they got, had a misunderstanding whenever okay. and at night that resolves and they're friends again uh -huh. or, uh, this person over here realizes that for the past two years, he or she has been, you know, uh, has been um, rationalizing staying at a particular job that they hate and that they don't actually need because they're perfectly capable of starting their own business or of turning some some uh, passion of theirs into a into an entrepreneurial venture or something like that, like like actual. I'm interested in creating catalytic containers. Okay. So, and this is what happens when you perform, like when you perform, these are the things that you're creating. It's a, it's about, it's about the music being, uh, being an instrument for transformation for lack of a better word. Okay. It's, it's about music being an instrument for, um, opening hearts and minds. It's not even, and it's not even about my experience. Okay. Right. Like, like it's not even about my experience. I'm approaching this as this is a way for me to be of service. Cause here's the thing. Mm. If, if it were really about my experience and I've had this experience when it was about my experience, I got burnt out. I got tired. I got fed up. I got just completely demoralized and I quit for like two years because I was, because it was about my experience and I wasn't having fun anymore. I wasn't having fun. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't getting out of it what I wanted. Everyone around me, every time I showed up was having a ball, but because I was more focused on what my experience was and, and the, the sort of the outcomes that I was attached to having with mm -hmm. these things, like I was expecting somebody to start a new business every single time I come into the room. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, it doesn't work like that. Like I can be committed to creating experiences that pop people open that way. But if I'm attached to that, that's, that's not, it's not going to be sustainable. Uh, so it's yeah. not a, it's, that's not even about my experience. It's about the experience that others get to have when I create a container for them to jump into, forget themselves 
and be inside of the moment of improvisational, inspirational music that's being created in the moment for that particular purpose with that particular group at that particular time in that particular space. I get it now. I get it now. I, I, thanks for going a roundabout to get it to me. So sure, I yeah, totally no, get I, it. No, I mean, I like your, I, I, I love, actually, I love, let me put it that way. I love the fact that your underlying premise, your underlying motivation is to be of service. Yet you're being of service through doing something that fills you up. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. That's the way and it should and, be. That's exactly that's, how it should and, be. And that's part of, that's part of what burnt me out too, is that like, uh, <sighs> The music world in general, and you know, for any musicians who are listening to this, you probably you either hate me right now, <laughs> or or you're no or haters, you're going, no haters, or you're, or you're going, oh, this guy thinks things the way I do, and if you're on that side of the fence, cool, please, let's connect because mm-hmm. I feel really like a voice in the wilderness here, because I don't. I don't experience most musicians being interested in being of service to anybody but themselves. Most, most of the time, most of the time music as a, as a profession, as a, as a career is, it's really a vanity project. Mm -hmm. It's about how many people can I get to like me and how cool can I be? And, you know, and I know that not everybody's like that. And I know that as, as I'm saying this, I'm going, okay, I'm creating generalizations and I'm like spitting this out in the world. It's total bullshit. And, you know, I'm just projecting out of the world my own, like, <laughs> well, and I, I, and I don't want to debate, like, I don't like part of it is I don't want to debate with you um, what's right or wrong. But one of the things I do think there, that where I feel like the service is coming from some of these really big conglomerates of music. I mean, I, I, I preferred like personally, anytime I can be around like music being performed and I call it live music. Now I feel embarrassed calling it that, but you know what I mean? But anytime I walk into like a small venue at like, okay. When last time I was in California, there was a guy playing violin and what was the other guy playing? I can't even remember, but like two unusual instruments to have together, but just sitting Mm. there and being part of that experience and enjoying it with them. And they were really interactive was like golden. And so Mm -hmm. I love Mm -hmm. those experiences. I want more of those all the time, but I do think one of the benefits of the bigger, you know, reaching a broader and a larger venue or or audience is that there are so many songs that I listen to that are recorded that lift me up like your song. And so it, that, that is part of the service, even if it's not, you know, the ideal way, or, um, there might be some other, you know, things behind it that aren't as service driven, maybe like you said, there's, it's about fame and, and money and all of that. Some yeah. of those things really do make a difference just in a way that, you know, a different way than maybe they were intended, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. I get that. And in, in the last, in the last year since, since the music has, has really started to reawaken, I've really started to, I've been, I've been rethinking and reframing a lot of that because, um, because I rec- I recognize that, you know, my opinions about the music industry, quote unquote, uh, don't really matter in the long run. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you can, the, serve, thing, you can serve either way, right? Yeah. Things, things are set up the way that they're set up. And then I can either, I can either kind of, you know, flip it all the bird and go, ah, oh, that's stupid. And, you know, just do my little thing over here in the corner, which is great, but it does, it does. There's, it, I'm, I'm limiting the degree to which I'm able to serve. Right. Right. Cause you just want, Where, yeah, you want to bring that out there as far as you can. Yeah. Uh, so you know, one of the questions that popped up for me a little earlier was, um, you said you took two years off. Yeah. What did it feel like to not do the thing that fills your soul? 
Oh, I was horribly depressed. (laughs) (laughs) Horribly depressed and, you know, just not, yeah, not happy at all. Because I think that's how I I was just curious. I mean, that's sort of what I expected you would say. And actually kind of like it would screw up the whole next question if you didn't say that. So thanks for going with me. (laughs) Glad to oblige. (laughs) (laughs) This was not pre-planned. This is not pre-planned. This was created in alchemy. Um, So... Because I know, um, I know in my own life there have been times where I've done that, where I've sort of shut down the thing that really lights me up for a, for a long time, and it's just like being a robot. You know, it's like you go through your life and you go, and it, not that it's horrible. It wasn't a horrible time or anything like that. I didn't go through a depression, which thank goodness for that, because I know how hard that is for people. It's horrible, but yep. but just denying that part of me, I couldn't fully be me until I finally brought that back in and went, this is what I'm really supposed to do. I was doing it when I was five, keep doing it, you know? Um, so now that you're doing it again, did that space away from it give you a a new, like a huge renewed, um, excitement about it? Something different? Yeah. It's given me, it's given me perspective on, on the service piece, Mm. you know, because, because, because approaching it, approaching it from the point of view of service the attitude of uh, and and it and it really de- and it really rests on, a, on an attitude of gratitude underneath mm-hmm. that right like because how can you be of service if you don't actually feel like you're actually whole to begin with right what did you do one, during that but, time did you have other work or something like that um I, I it was funny in 2014 I was probably more depressed than I've ever been in my life and I launched like seven businesses online online uh-huh. so I did like you know I did like seven different things and you know as soon as it became really hard I was like ah screw this you know? oh kind of that grasping <laughs> thing like, I get that I've been there myself yeah, like just try yeah. this that'll work oh no that didn't work I'm living in a place now where you know I basically have I have free reign to kind of create whatever I want on this quarter acre of land. So what do you do with that quarter acre? Do you stand out there and sing in the morning? And uh, I sing to my chickens. I sing <laughs> to my plants. But uh, you know, we've uh, we had a I had a friend of mine here for about four months, starting in January, and we built uh, one, two, three, four. Uh, while he was here, we built four what are called hugel cultures, which are like basically mound uh, wood pile garden beds. And then I built another one that's uh, 26 feet long and four feet wide. And, um, they're awesome. They're these beautiful, like self watering, uh, garden beds. Oh my and gosh. I wish I could see them right now. Like I can't even picture what that I, well, first of all, I can't spell it. So there's that. And then right. I can't picture it. I'm going to have to Google. Did you say Google, Google gardens? Who? Who Hugelkultur. It's a German <laughs> word. It means, it means wood wood culture or log culture, I think. And hmm. you know, you basically you basically like stack up stack up wood and logs and things like that and then put uh-huh. uh, put dirt on top of it and you plant in the dirt and the uh, over time the logs break down and become uh, food for the soil and it traps water down there and so you have this uh, beautiful little ecosystem of um rotting vegetative matter that becomes <laughs> food for your food. And so so what do you grow? What do you have growing out there? That probably a lot from the sound of it. Yeah, right now I've got some I've got I have a literal jungle of arugula because we had uh we had a really nice arugula crop earlier this mm. year 
and then I let it all go to seed and then I chopped a bunch of it down and while I was chopping it down seeds were flying everywhere and then I laid the laid the pile in a, a particular place and now that place is just like what's something that you're newly curious about that's different from anything you've been interested in before kind of like a new direction and What's funny is, as I was thinking of an example to give, uh, everything lined up perfectly. So when I was learning a little bit about radio, because I'm actually looking at a little bit about how that works if I were to move the podcast over there, which is down the road, but just curious. So reading about how radio works and how um, the power comes into the radio station and then it converts it to kilowatts of FM radio and then it goes up to these nodes that do the same thing and they blast it out. And I was thinking how it's such a great correlation to what I'm trying to do here. So I'm trying to spread light and Mm -hmm. um, share stories. And so on my own, I can only do it so much. But when I bring you in and other guests, it's like you guys are like the nodes that make it really big and then it blasts out on the podcast. So I want to know more about how this all works, like all these weird little radio and wave things. So that's my latest curiosity, which is kind of a big one. So I'm probably going to just brush the surface of it is my plan. So what about okay. you? What's What are you newly curious about that you haven't like delved into before? Uh, actually, it is um, permaculture. It's farming. Oh, so what you're doing. Yeah. Is, okay, yeah, what is permaculture? I was going to Google that because everyone keeps saying it and I don't know what it is yet. What does, what is and I'm sorry to admit that to all the listeners that I don't know, but tell me what that means. No, you're you're in the majority. No, oh, good. It's not, it's not a. Well, not you, really. But you must, you're, just, you're you're just hanging out with a bunch of cool people. That's why you've heard it about. I know. So. Seriously, <laughs> everyone keeps saying it. I'm like, I don't know but, what that but, is. But you know, the cool the cool people are in the minority because permaculture isn't very widely known. If it were widely known, agribusiness would be out of business because permaculture just freaking makes sense. I like so, it. Permaculture is a design system. It's a way of approaching food production <clears throat> through farming, gardening, that kind of thing that takes the whole system into account. And and when so the best way to the best way to really talk about it is to do an example, right? Like like say you have a house and mm-hmm. you have an acre and an acre of land. Which I do. I have the, both of those things. Okay, go on. Okay, perfect. So you have a house and you have an acre of land and then and then, you know, the 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 official permaculture design thing will take you through learning five different zones. There's zone one, which is right around the house. Zone two is a little bit further out. Zone three, zone four, zone five. And basically what you're doing is you're looking for ways to create little micro ecosystems so that plants grow and they grow together and they help each other grow and the chickens help the plants and the plants help the chickens and the compost helps the chickens and the plants. And, you know, so everything Mm -hmm. is interrelated. It basically, it's a way of approaching food production on your land that takes natural systems into account. So you're basically trying to, you're, you're working with nature as opposed to against it. Mm -hmm. A basic, a basic, uh, thing is this the the whole no till movement? And people talk about uh, if you haven't heard of this, it's, I have not it's, heard of this. I, but I'm like, I just want to start like getting people yeah. over. I I want to like rent out, not even rent out, let people use my land, create what you're talking about, and then just give me some food. Yes. See, and I would I would be one of those people who would come over, and go like, cool. We're gonna bring your crew a crew over, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna yeah. build a, we're gonna build gardens. We're gonna build a pond. We're gonna build 
you know, we're going to basically figure out a way that your home becomes and, and your land becomes an ecosystem in and of itself comprised of different, you know, like like you've got taller plants that provide mm-hmm. shade for food plants that grow in the shade. Uh, you know, there's, it, it's, it's so complex and so complicated, but basically it boils down to being as simple as possible, taking small actions, doing small things that produces a larger result. It's almost because, like creating a little universe, you know? Yeah. Cause, cause the idea being that, you know, I mean, you have to work really hard to like take an acre of land and till it like crazy and then plant a bunch of things in rows and then fight all of the bugs that come when you plant things in rows and keep Mm -hmm. everything wet. But when you create a little ecosystem that keeps this part of the garden damp and moist for those kinds of plants that need moisture and maybe more shade. And it keeps this part of the garden more dry for plants that like full sun and more dry soil. And you have, you know, you know the, the chickens will come and they'll keep your, your bug population down. You also have to make sure that they don't like, cause they will shred everything. If, uh-huh. if you're out, if you're out of balance, if, if you have too many chickens for the amount of uh, vegetation that you have, you know, so there's a, there's just a lot to it, but basically the idea is that you approach gardening, you approach your homestead from the point of view of seeing it as a complete system comprised of miniature systems that overlap and have relationships with one another. If you, if you watch videos of Bill Mollison, he's the guy who sort of coined uh-huh. the term and, and cause he, and, and basically he did it by studying the Maori people in New Zealand. He was like, wow, check it out. These people are basically creating these ecosystems and they've been doing it for thousands and thousands of years and they live a really simple, easy life and all's well. This is awesome. And, and if you watch him, like he's, he's, you know, he's walking around his, his piece of land and mm-hmm. he's like picking something and eating it and he walks a few steps and picks something and eats it. And he walks. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's the dream right there. Yeah. That's actually really fascinating. And so this is what you're doing in your um, quarter of an acre? Yep. yep. I'm building a food forest. I like it. One little it. bit at a time. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, yesterday was my dad's 64th birthday. Mm. And 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 uh, all, all of us were invited over to come hang out with them and have chips and guacamole and daiquiris and whatever. And, yeah. and I, I, I've, I've developed a reputation for bringing interesting and unique and very, <laughs> very delicious salads. So I, I, uh, they asked for a salad. So I was like, Hmm, what do I want to do right now? What do I have an abundance of? Well, I've got arugula, but I already, I kind of, I traded some arugula for some eggs the other day, <laughs> which was great. Cause our chickens don't do, we don't have enough chickens to support our egg habit, our daily egg habit. Okay. So I was a little bit short on arugula since they're still just kind of, they're still kind of young plants, but I have a plethora of a quote unquote weed called purslane. <laughs> purslane, purslane is this weed. It's kind of a, it's a succulent. Okay. Um, and it grows everywhere and it's amazing stuff. It's delicious. And, uh, and it has one of the highest omega three content of any vegetable. And so I just went out and picked a whole bunch of that and uh, snipped some fresh thyme out of the mm-hmm. garden, some fresh green onions, and threw it in a threw it in a bowl with some roasted garlic, uh, salt, pepper, um, 
uh, olive oil, some balsamic vinaigrette, and voila, I had, oh, and some tomatoes and onions. And I had this beautiful purslane salad. I called it weed salad. But <laughs> they, they, thought, they thought that was really funny. Were they worried? So, I mean, it is California, so. <laughs> <laughs> they, they know I won't. I <laughs> you know, it's always a good a sign of a really good talk when my mouth is watering by the end of the show. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I want some salad right now. And oh, that sounds so good. There we go. Good. Mission accomplished. All right. Good job. One thing after another, the most interesting curiosity uh, example that I've heard. I mean, actually that that I've heard because they're all good. Every one of these. Actually, I was coming with an idea and then I walk out with more things I have to go research because they're so fascinating. Yeah, so, that's the danger of interviews. Yeah, but they're oh. so fun. I can't stop. So. <laughs> So um, what I wanted, I, what I'd like to do before we have you sing out the show is um, make sure every, because we hardly barely talked about your work. So can you tell um, listeners like where they can find you? And I'll, I'll put everything up on the show notes, but, you know, give it your pitch. What are the places people can find you and hear you? Yeah, come over to my little homegrown website, <laughs> seanmaddenmusic.com, S-H-A-W-N-M-A-D-D-E-N, music.com. I have a podcast I put out every Friday morning. Tonight I'll be doing my little production. Uh, it's called Turn On with Sean, and it's basically a, an experiment in raw creativity, and it's an exploration of what it takes to go from the zero to the zone. And so that's mm -hmm. what uh, that's what you can expect from that. And I do some improvisational music and uh, motivational speaking, all with a transformational intent. And uh, if you're if you're a Facebooker. You can contact me on Facebook. I'm always on there messing around, being goofy. That might be where I stalked you out, I think. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that is yeah. where it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely check out, I mean, this, the, every everything that I've heard that you've done, including just a conversation with you or many, you know, the other conversations, super uplifting. I just smile the whole time. This has been so much fun. And I can't thank you enough for, for joining me for this little experiment of my own. So yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jane. It's really great. This is a fun, fun thing you're doing. All right. And and you're a good interviewer. You got you got me talk. <laughs> yeah, really? That you don't talk? Is that what you're saying? That cannot be true. <laughs> I like to talk, but you know, still. Yeah, we had fun. That was really fun. All right. So yeah. what are you gonna sing up for us here? Are you making I'm it up? No, I'm not gonna make it up. I'm gonna sing. I'm gonna sing my current, uh, my current flagship song. So, like I said, I, I'm really interested in the alchemical processes that happen with music, and music as a catalytic force for transformation, force for awakening, force for personal evolution, whatever you want to call it. So, I wrote a little song about a year ago that started out as just a little simple affirmation. And has turned into a little bit of a phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And it's a phenomenon in the sense that there's folks who are listening to it now and singing it for themselves and using it to fuel the action of their own days. And I'm conducting a little experiment on my own where I get to sing it every day and see how that affects my life over time. It's called Everything is Working Out. It goes like this. Everything is working out for me. Everything is working out for me. Everything is working out. Everything is working out. Everything is working out for me. Joy is always blooming in my heart. 
Joy is always blooming in my heart. Joy is always blooming. Joy is always blooming. Joy is always blooming in my heart. All right, I'll do one more and then we're going to make one up, okay? You're going to make one up. We're going to do something. You want to create an affirmation for yourself, okay? Okay, all right. So just be thinking. Okay. Uh, what is it? Everything I need is within my reach. Everything I need is within my reach. Everything I need. Everything I need. Everything I need is within my reach. Alright, Jane. What do you want to affirm? Everything I need is within me. Ooh. Okay. You ready to sing it with me? I can't <laughs> sing. Oh, yes, you can. <laughs> Everything I need is within me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything I need is within me. Everything I need. Everything I need. Everything I need is within me. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh-huh, because everything is working out for us. Mm-hmm. Yes, everything is working out for us. Everything is working out. Everything is working out. Everything is working out for us. Everything is working out for us. Everything is working out for Awesome. Actually, you just um, first ever me singing on recording. So, yeah. <laughs> Breakthrough is on. That's what I'm talking about. Right there. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> okay. So, that was so fun. What a great song it is. It's super uplifting, and every bit of this was just mm, fun. Good, good. I enjoyed it too. Thank you so much, Jane. All right. Take care. I wasn't kidding, right? He has a lot of energy, and I I for sure think he gets the award for being the first ever person to get me to actually sing along where people were recording something, and I have this feeling there'll be a point in the future where I'm like, did I really put that up? (laughs) But you have to join along when you have someone like him. What I really took away from his show, though, is the fact that you have to do what you love and and not worry about the outcome, not be so attached to the outcome. I mean, I feel the same way with the podcast. I can't uh, be attached to whether people enjoy it or not. They may or they may not. But I do know this. When I have the conversations, I am delighted. When I listen to them back later to prepare them to post, I'm delighted again. So I hope that a few people out there are enjoying it the same way. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time.